In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This past week, the last season of The Crown premiered on Netflix, and it's already topped the charts. In the land of liberty, it's safe to say that Americans have a funny relationship with monarchy. On one hand, most Americans will be pretty quick to tell you that they have no interest in the idea of living under kingly rule, a hangover from the American Revolution. We are proud of our concept of Republican democracy, and we are most certainly happy that the president is not a king and that his children do not inherit the Oval Office. And yet, on the other hand, our popular fantasy culture is usually filled with kings and princes. I'm sure more than one Hallmark Christmas movie will be aired over the next month that involves some love story between a prince and a commoner woman. Pretty much every Disney original has had some form of monarchy in it. So, popular American culture tends to be aggressive toward political monarchy and infatuated with fantasy monarchy, or at least with monarchy that is far away from us, which is why the crown is so popular in the United States. We Americans love to tear back the curtain and see what life is like for royalty, all the glamour and the juicy gossip. But this popular idea of royalty in our culture, it leaves us at a disadvantage when we're faced with the biblical concept of the kingship of Christ. It's hard for us to imagine God in a kingly way, since to us, kings are either totalitarian despots or ceremonial figureheads with multiple homes. And so we hear of the feast of Christ the King, and we think that the church is once again using language of a bygone era, as she tends to do, making us force the mind into contemplating what life must have been like for the ancient Roman Christians hiding away underground. But then, lo and behold, we learn that the Feast of Christ the King is actually pretty new as church feast days go. In fact, this feast day wasn't established in the Middle Ages when kings and princes were far more common. The feast we celebrate today was started in 1925 by Pope Pius XI, particularly to respond to the era of communism. In the face of a European culture which was arguing more and more for a communable and equitable economy and a political society, the church responded with the message that, no, Christ did not intend to leave the world as communal and equitable, but as a monarchy, as an absolute monarchy, where totalitarian authority is invested in one king who is Christ the Lord. So why do we need this feast? Well, frankly, because the world doesn't act as if Christ is truly the Lord of all. Pope Pius XI, when he announced this feast, declared that his motivation was to remind the world that Christ is the Lord of all, not just of the spiritual realm, not just of the baptized. Christ is the Lord of all. And principally, we announce this to ourselves and to our neighbors here that Christ is Lord of this city, and that he reigns from this church enthroned in the tabernacle under the appearance of bread. Christ, in the gospel today, he teaches us that we will be required to choose a side. There's no escaping it. At the end of, at the end of all things, we will serve one of two masters. Either we will be numbered among the free and the redeemed servants of Jesus Christ, or we will be enlisted among the fallen of Satan's confused and bitter army. Several weeks back, we spoke of the commandment to love, that we are all called, first of all, to love God and then to love 
one another. But we learned that loving God is difficult because to love is to the will the good of another. But how can we will the good of a God who is all in all, who lacks nothing so as to need our love? Christ teaches us today that we love him insofar as we are able to love and serve those among us. The reality is that the difficult part of Christianity isn't loving Jesus. No, the difficult part of Christianity is loving Judas. Jesus Christ chose from among all the people who lived on this earth, from the beginning of time, he chose from among them 12 men whom he called his apostles, his closest friends, and one of them was Judas. Judas, like all of us, had the freedom to choose a side, and he chose the side of darkness and death. His betrayal was made so more painful to the Lord because it was not the betrayal of an enemy. It was the betrayal of a friend. Perhaps you have felt that sort of pain before, when the closest people to you whom you love the most cause you to suffer, either through a direct and intentional choice to harm you or by rejecting the love you have for them. Loving Christ as king demands that we love Judas. It demands that we love even those who hurt us. The servant of God, Dorothy Day, teaches us we only love God insofar as we love the person we like the least. Christ teaches us today in the gospel that when we choose to not love those people, when we choose not to love the people who harm us, or the people who are different, or the poor, or the gruesome, when we do not love them, we do not love Christ. When we do not prioritize them, we do not prioritize Christ. Adoring Christ as king means that in a bold and a difficult way, we truly love and support everyone around us, even and most especially when it's hard, when it's painful. We have an opportunity today in a bold and a public manner to choose our side as we carry our Eucharistic Lord through the streets of Natchez. Today, we will meet Judas in the street. Judas who will question and mock us. We will meet Judas and our friends, our relatives who do not show us the love we show them, who lie about us, who gossip, who may even show disdain for our care for them. But we do not make this choice alone. It was Judas who acted alone, who cut himself off from the friendship of the apostles. We choose today as a parish, as a church, to proclaim together our faith and allegiance to Jesus Christ. We declare today together our belief that Christ is not only Lord of all creation, but that he is the Lord of Natchez, and that he reigns from this church, from this tabernacle, where he is really, truly, and substantially present in the most blessed sacrament. And we will do this with all the pomp that we can muster. We will do this regardless of how many people choose to make this procession with us. We will worship our God, not according to our taste, but in the manner he himself commanded us through his church. 
and we will bring that Eucharistic presence enthroned within our hearts back to our homes and our workplaces and our school, to our family, our friends, and we will love them as he loves us. Today, we will choose the side of Jesus Christ. Praised be Jesus Christ, now and forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.